This is Sports Talk with Phil Cordblue, Chris Bergen, and Pat Daniel. Sports Talk is heard across the state on radio affiliates of the Sports Talk Media Network and is streaming live on SportstalkSE.com as well as Twitter, Facebook, and YouTube. The South Carolina Education Lottery lucky number to call in is 888-898-2525. That's 888-898-2525. Now, here are Phil, Chris, and Pat with tonight's edition of Sports Talk. Hey, welcome back in, everybody. Sports Talk here on the Sports Talk Media Network. Once again, from the Greensboro Coliseum for the ACC Tournament. And it's finally Clemson time tonight, well, 9.30 or so tonight. And we'll see if the Tigers can do what most everybody thinks they have to do, and that is beat NC State to make the NCAA tournament. A lot of people think win and probably in, lose and definitely out. How about that pressure on Brad Brunel and the Clemson basketball team if that's their mindset? I think their mindset is they've done enough to get in, but – the experts who follow this stuff every day and put out the brackets, they don't think Clemson's in there. And so the Tigers need probably, if those guys are anywhere close to being right, they need to win tonight against a team that they've beaten twice already, guys. Hard to beat a team three times. Tigers have beaten this team twice by an average of 19 points per game. And so they're going to have to play any somewhere close to how they played the Wolfpack the first two times. But State played a great game last night, Chris. Uh, came out red hot, uh, shot the ball extremely well, not just in the first half. They carried it through for the entire ball game. And they finished tonight with a 62% from the floor average, 63.6 in the first half and 60% in the second half as they took care of Virginia Tech, 97-77. to 77. So uh, Clemson's going to catch a, a, a confident state team that most people think, I think, is already in the tournament and, and really won't be sweating the bullets that Clemson will tonight. If Joe Lenardi is to be believed, Phil, they're not, Clemson really isn't on the bubble. They're not on the next four out. They're, well, it's first four out, next four out. That's where Clemson is right now. So I, I agree with you. I think they almost have to win tonight to get into the NCAA tournament. And if they don't, the harsh reality of their situation happens so many times to bubble teams, they've got no one to blame but themselves. Some bad losses earlier in the year haunting them now, and they may not win enough games to get in. But tonight's game, I am so looking forward to this third go-round. It's awfully difficult to beat a team three times, but Clemson, if they've got the kryptonite, it's their defense. You're looking at the second-best scoring offense in the ACC against the third-best scoring defense in the ACC and NC State and Clemson, respectively. Tigers have done a terrific job against them the first two go-rounds, and you hope, if you're Brad Brownell, there's no way NC State can shoot and play as well as they did last night against Virginia Tech in back-to-back nights. If they do, Clemson may be in a world of trouble. Well, you know, Clemson, now look, it's not a campaign. This isn't politics. They're not going to have people voting for them across the country. But as part of their game notes last night, they put out a little piece of resume information on them. So to, of course, bolster their uh, public campaign, like they think there's going to be pressure put on the committee. But they pointed out that they've got four quad one wins, three Q1 road wins, Seven and five versus Q1 and Q2. Five and three against teams listed in the most recent bracketology with wins over state. Uh, two of those, Pitt, Duke, and Penn State. 
4-0 against ESPN's last four buys with an average victory margin of 11.8. Of the 16 teams on the bubble of ESPN's bracketology, Clemson has the highest winning percentage and second most wins against net Q1 teams, 4-3. and three. three of those four wins on the road. Clemson won nine ACC games by double digits, the most in the league this season. And according to CBB Analytics, Clemson is 13th nationally in net rating against Q1 teams. And they included a quote from, you know, the, I don't, maybe not the god of all basketball gods, but way up there at the top, Jay Billis. They included a quote saying they're a very good team. I like them. So they're well. Thanks for the support, Jay. They're doing, you know. They're. I guess if they, if, if we could go to the polls and vote for Clemson, then maybe they would get in. But that's. I just find it interesting that they're putting out this information, knowing that none of the brackets right now have them in. I mean, if you've seen Clemson play a good bit, like we have, they they appear to me to be a team that's worthy of being in the tournament. But they've got to Agreed. go on the court tonight and prove it one more time. The NCAA tournament has long been set up for Power 5 teams to get in. And I have no sympathy for any Power 5 team that does not get in. And Clemson, if they don't get in, that gaping hole that they happen to leave out is smart. It's on the sports information side. You don't want to show your warts. You just make sure you get all the blemishes out of there. But it's going to be the bad losses more so than the good wins that keeps Clemson out. But I agree with Jay Billups. They're a really good team. They're fun to watch. I like them because they're older. They're sort of old-school college basketball, not like we see today because they've got so many older guys who have stuck around the program. I hope they win tonight just from a standpoint. I'd like to see them get an NCAA bid because I think all, all of us, like Brad Brownell, and think he's done a nice job at Clemson and, and deserves an opportunity to get this team to the NCAA tournament. But I think it would be devastating for them to lose to NC State tonight. There's no doubt. Well, one thing we can all agree upon as Smitty joins us now, the Gamecocks are not going to the NCAA tournament. It's another March sadness for USC men's basketball as they lose last night. Of course, they weren't going anyway, <laughs> but uh, they lose last night to Ole Miss. I really thought they were going to um, you know, play above themselves and win that game somehow, some way. They got a big game, Smitty, from G.G. Jackson. He certainly showed out in what will likely probably be his last game as a Gamecock with 24 points, but um, they only scored 61 and they couldn't sustain the run that got them uh, back into the ball game and got them back on top shortly. What was your uh, takeaway from watching them play last night in Nashville? Yeah, I, I agree with much of what you just said, Corn, about Gigi Jackson having a nice game. So he was certainly engaged. You know, that I thought after watching the first 10 minutes, despite the turnovers, and South Carolina had a rash of them eight in the first four minutes, I thought South Carolina was going to – win that ball game. I felt like uh, Ole Miss was really struggling to defend Michi Johnson. And, uh, you know, Ole Miss, again, nothing special. But as is so often the case in basketball, Jeff Van Gundy says basketball is a make-or-miss game. And, you know, amid all the things we were talking about, and if you followed along last night and you were watching the game or you were following our tweets at, at Sports Talk SC – we talked about everything, you know, uh, South Carolina mixing in the zone, the way the turnovers were going, the fact that uh, uh, Lamont Paris did a really nice job drawing up inbounds plays and then getting Gigi Jackson isolated on the wing in matchups that he could handle, and he turned that into 24 points. So all of those things, they, they all go away in the wash, however, when Ole Miss does what they did, which is hit 
five of nine three-pointers in the second half. Meanwhile, South Carolina hits two of 12. So all the things that were happening in front of us, you have to, at the end of the day, you have to make shots. And you mentioned South Carolina scoring just 61 points. So all the emotion wrapped up here, Lamont Paris, Hayden Brown's last game, Michi Johnson winning his matchups, Gigi Jackson being engaged uh, and really having a nice second half, scoring 16 of his 24. But you have to hit shots. And Ole Miss, who is not a good three-point shooting team, and they missed their three-pointers today against uh, against Tennessee, and they're out of the tournament. But last night, they knocked their shots down. And Amari Abram, who is just an okay three-point shooter throughout the season, hit five of eight last night. And that's probably the difference in the game. So post-game, you were there with the Gamecocks, the ones that they brought out front, maybe back in the locker room as well. You saw the emotional ending of the game and tears being shed and all that kind of good stuff. So what would you take away from the post-game conversations? First of all, what's your gut on what Jackson will do? And then what would you take away from what uh, Paris had to say about closing the book on this first season and starting the rebuilding or the continuing building a program, considering who we know will be back with the Gamecocks next season. Yeah, I'll tell you something, Corn. After you know following this team throughout the year, I couldn't get a good handle on who they were in terms of uh, uh, emotionally. You know, was this a team that was together? Was this a team that cared about each other? Because in this era of the transfer portal, they were thrown together. Hayden Brown's a senior, but he spent, you know, five years elsewhere. Uh, He was just a one-year Gamecock. But last night, I saw, I really changed my mind. And I I don't think it was an act. I think this team really cared about each other. Michi Johnson was getting a lot of uh, support from his teammates and Gigi Jackson and Hayden Brown hugged each other and they they embraced for a long time and then talked about it in the postgame comments and then Lamont Paris even talked about this team the way they had grown as individuals that they were not they were not just a, a a bunch of guys playing basketball together that throughout the course of the season they came to care about each other and I don't know how much we saw that because Frankly, they lost so much this year, 21 losses, that from the outside we're always focused on what they did wrong. But if you're on that team bus, if you're in that locker room, I think South Carolina really came together as a team. Now, what does that mean for next season? I don't know because even even Lamont Harris in his postgame comments had to say uh, when, when asked, you know, what is the next step for this program, he said talent acquisition. I mean, they just don't have enough good basketball players right now, and they're going to lose Hayden Brown. You asked my gut about Gigi Jackson. I'm afraid to even step in that one. I have no idea. I, I, I watch him play, and I don't think he's ready for the NBA. And then I, and then I hit Google and look at the mock drafts, and all the analysts say he's more than ready. He's a fringe lottery pick. So I just I can't. I don't have a feel for that. But I'll say this: Lamont Paris thinks thinks. He laid the foundation this year. He said that over and over. He said it's very much like the house that he had uh, renovated when he got the job at South Carolina. He said, I kept coming back every day to see what they had done. And I kept asking the guys, what are you doing? It doesn't look like anything's getting done. And he said, but then three months go by, and all of a sudden it all comes together. And he, he said, and I thought this was a really telling comment, he said, I wish – we could start over and play 30 games right now because I feel like these guys just now 
got it, and that's why I'm so excited about next season. Yeah, that's a, that's a good sign right there, and uh, there, there's no question they got better as mm-hmm. the season went on, And uh, but now he's got to go find some more pieces. He's got to find um, – well, he's got to find some help inside for sure. Let's just assume Jackson. I think it's safe to assume Jackson's not going to be around. So now you got to go find yourself a, a marquee scorer. you got to get some more help inside. I think Michi Johnson is is fine at the shooting guard, point guard. And let's don't forget, Chris, the transfer from Coastal, I'll let you handle the name, yeah. who had to sit out this year. And that was a big loss for them. He should be healthy next year and ready to go, and that will help. Well, you get Ibrahim Adiba back, who's an elite defender, and he's a true point guard. So you factor him into this team this year, and I think they're probably three or four games better. They're not going to win 20 games just because he steps on the floor, but I think he makes them infinitely better on both ends of the court, especially defensively. I'm not sure people realize how good an on-ball defender he is just because of his length and size. I mean, he's 6'6 as a point guard and does a terrific job as a defender and a distributor. So I think that's a nice addition that Lamont Paris already has in the mix. But, Smitty, I, I was disappointed the postgame press conference wasn't long enough for you to be able to ask this question, but I thought of one of the rare times, and you talked about how good a job Lamont Paris is coming out of timeouts, and I agree. He drew up some terrific plays. One on an inbound along the baseline got uh, Gigi Jackson a dunk after they ran through the play. But I was really surprised when they went on that 10 nothing run about uh, the 10-minute mark of the second half and got the lead. Ole Miss calls the timeout. He takes both Michi Johnson and Gigi Jackson off the floor. I'm guessing his thinking is, if I can get to the next media timeout, those guys are ready to go for the stretch run. But then Ole Miss comes down, shoots a three, takes the lead, and Carolina never leads again. I thought that that play and that decision was a major mistake on his part. If, if at anything, don't take them both off the floor at the same time when you've got that kind of momentum. Yeah, it, it was interesting. I, I would agree with that. Now, you're right. The press conference kind of turned, and it turned into this wistful situation where they were looking back on the season, and I didn't want to ask that particular question. But I'll say this. Um, I, I give some of the credit to Ole Miss. They started to double Michi Johnson wherever he was. So he, they took him off the point, and they, they put Jacoby right at the point, and they gave the ball to Michi on the wing, and they doubled him from there, and he got rid of the ball. And South Carolina went two or three possessions where they, they looked completely out of sorts and weren't able to do anything. And I think, I think that the and, – and then the next time, after that timeout you're talking about, they did run a play – uh, where they were able to score when they slipped a screen. I think it was Hayden Brown that came and screened for Jacoby Wright. But your point is taken. I think he was trying to buy time. I think he had left Michi Johnson out on the floor for so long. I believe he put up 35 minutes of playing time last night. He left him out so long he felt he needed to get him a blow, and they were just trying to tread water. They had just taken the lead, 46-44, wanted to tread water, but the game got away from them. But I will say this: I I agree with you. It could have been. A, it could be argued that was a tactical mistake. But I'm actually going to look at it through this prism. I think Ole Miss actually won that particular part of the chess match because they changed what they were doing defensively. And South Carolina had been mixing in a zone, going back to man and man, bringing the zone back. And Ole Miss made some some tactical changes in the second half, and and it worked. And and the truth is, South Carolina isn't deep enough. If you pull Michi out or you pull Gigi Jackson out or you pull Hayden Brown out, frankly, they don't have enough guys. They don't have enough ballers to hang in there in an SEC tournament game, and I think that's what caught up with them in the end. Well, here's the question, Smitty, everybody wants to know. How many honky-tonks did you hit on Broadway (laughs) 
And it doesn't have to be last night. I mean, it could spill over into the daylight because there's honky-tonks open all day long on Broadway in Nashville. That's right. I was asked, uh, so let's see, I was. I went to three, I was asked to leave two because I got really <laughs> rowdy. I just... I'll say, hey, uh, you're, you're right. Nashville's a great town, too. Yeah, great, yeah. great, great town. But I was focused on – I really was focused on the SEC tournament. I was kind of geeking out about it. I was having a great time there with the basketball. And having said that, I just thought of something, Corn. When you said earlier tonight about, you know, we don't get to vote for the NCAA tournament, I would rather the NCAA tournament, instead of being revealed all at once, how about we say like with 35% of the precincts reporting, you know, Bubba Cunningham, the North Carolina Athletic Director, has voted a straight ticket for the ACC. He's got Wake Forest going too. I mean, I would prefer that if we could see like Clemson in it as an 11, but then they kind of get overtaken by Wisconsin, and then you, you see the votes roll in in California on the West Coast, and Clemson takes them back. I'd prefer the, the, the reveal for the NCAA tournament to go that way well the way the electorate is in this country um you know they might mess it up just as much as the committee messes it up so why not give them a chance to be uh, to be heard from you have a safe trip uh, coming back i know you still got a bit of a ride to go we appreciate it we'll see you tomorrow talk to you tomorrow great job in nashville and uh, be safe traveling through the smokies there good stuff smitty will do Hey, thank you guys, and uh, and I tell you what, Clemson fans, hang in there. Um, I, I'm I'm excited about. I, I think Clemson is about to make a run in the NCAA tournament. I know I, I my predictions have not been good lately. I'm going to predict Clemson wins tonight, and Corn, you're there for, through the weekend, and we'll see on we'll see on Tuesday. Well, I'm good with that, but but you did win the Sports Talk Pick'em Challenge exactly. this football season. Not only did you win it, you annihilated the competition. So, you know, don't be falsely okay. humble here. All right. Well, when I say my projections have not been good lately, I thought South Carolina was going to pull that win out last night, and I picked the last. I picked the wrong redneck to win at darts at Tennessee Whiskey last night. So that's why I mean my projections haven't been, been good lately. Okay, my man. Good trip home. Appreciate you very much. All right, Matt Smith awesome. from Nashville, and we appreciate it very much him being there to uh, cover things for us. Sorry that the Gamecock hey. season came to uh, such a quick end. Let me update everything that's gone on here, gone on in Nashville and everywhere else. Uh, also, uh, Georgetown's announced that Patrick Ewing is out. So, I mean, think about this, man. Two of the greatest characters, biggest names in the history of the Big East mm-hmm. out in back-to-back days in Bayheim and Patrick Ewing. How about that? Two and 37 in the mm. Big East the last two years. Georgetown, and how about this? You want to draw a further compar- uh, parallel Patrick Ewing's last game as a Hoya was a loss to Villanova. His last game as head coach of Georgetown was a loss to Villanova. Well, get this. Look at uh, two coaches that lost to South Carolina this season are out of work. <laughs> That's a good point. Uh, uh, what's his name at Ole Miss, right? He, yep. uh, he, he got Davis. fired. And now yep. uh, and Patrick Ewing, he lost to the game. Anybody else who lost to the Gamecocks get fired? Uh, I don't think so. Just those two. Not that the Gamecocks losing to them didn't push them over the edge, but uh, that just just part of the lousy seasons. But I have to give Ole Miss credit. You know, I was thinking last night that because of their situation, that their players might not be as zoned in and focused, but they obviously were uh, good enough to, to beat the Gamecocks. Now, they weren't good enough to beat 
uh, Tennessee today. Let's go to the SEC. Uh, Tennessee had a little bit of a battle on their hands with uh, Ole Miss, but they win it 70-55 to to advance at the SEC tournament. So they move into the uh, quarterfinals. That's a 5 over a 13. And leading the way for Tennessee today, of course, they're without their star uh, point guard for the rest of the season. But uh, Josiah Jordan James from uh, Porter Goud had 20 points, hit four three-pointers, six of 13 from the floor, seven rebounds. So big game for the uh, Palmetto State native. Uh, Viscovi had 15 points, uh, six rebounds uh, for uh, the Vols. And uh, for Ole Miss, Burns had uh, 14 points. So Ole Miss is done. Uh, Tennessee wins 70-55. to uh, 55. Also in the SEC this afternoon in the first game, Florida State and Florida. This was an outstanding game. Mississippi State. Did I say Florida State and Florida? Mississippi yes. State and Florida. Mm-hmm. Mississippi State defeated Florida 69-68. I say it was an outstanding game. It was a close game. I hear it was a lousy performance by both teams. Uh, Mississippi State shot 39%. Florida shot 40%. Um, the Bulldogs were 2 of 14 from 3. The Gators were 8 of 35. But Mississippi State, I think they're putting themselves in pretty good shape to make the tournament. They win at 69-68. That's a 9 over an 8 at the SEC tournament. Now, here in They may Greensboro, be a team that, that Clemson needs to see go away quickly. The more wins of teams like that that are sitting along the bubble right with the Tigers, and they've got 21 wins now after that victory, that's a team that, that Clemson probably needs to lose tomorrow and get out of the way. Yeah. Now, here in Greensboro, the top seed Miami played Wake Forest. You know, Wake Forest uh, lost in all the conversation about Bayheim yesterday. We really didn't go into details about their win, but uh, they hit a shot at the buzzer to win that game to advance to today. Uh, and they played Miami tough. Miami had a little bit of a lead in the second half. And Wake Forest fought their way back into it, uh, but Miami wins at 74-72. Um, <laughs> what's kind of, if you're a Wake Forest fan, they had a shot at the halftime buzzer from about half court that went in, but it was about a half a tick after the lights came on. Wow. So, you know, you're a Wake Forest fan. You say, gosh, give us those three points. We win the ball game. Now, you don't know how the game was going to go after that, but uh, – uh, they they missed that opportunity. Uh, they did have a chance um, late. Uh, they hit a three with seven seconds to go, got it back to within uh, a point, and then they put uh, a shooter on the line, and uh, he may he, – he, uh, let's see, he missed. He missed a free throw. Wake, Wake Forest got the rebound, uh, threw a long shot up there that hit the backboard and the rim, but missed. So it was a two-point lead after that three. And they end up winning 74-72. And uh, Miller had 18 for Miami. Wong had 17 to to lead them. And uh, Miami shoots 53% for the game. Uh, Wake Forest was led by Appleby, who was terrific. 24 points, 8 of 24, 5 of 15 from 3, 5 rebounds, 5 assists. What a terrific year he had, but uh, comes up short for Wake Forest. I imagine they will, of course, move on to the uh, NIT from here in Greensboro. So, then you had Duke just annihilate uh, Pittsburgh. Duke came out red hot. They put this game in their pocket in about the first six or seven minutes. 96-69. to 69. Pittsburgh uh, never led in this one. 96-69. to 69. Uh, There was a little bit of a scare for Duke in this one because uh, Philip, Philip, Philipowski went down in the first half 
and came limping off the court with the help of trainers, and they took him to the end of the bench and worked on him. But he came back in and seemed to be um, okay. He scored 22 points in 15 minutes, 8 of 10 from the floor, uh, four three-pointers for him. What a big guy like that can shoot the three. How dangerous is that? So he had 22. Lively had 13. Mitchell had 12 for Duke. Um, so uh, they they just totally crushed uh, Pittsburgh today. This one was never in doubt. 48-32. They're playing really well, too, Phil. They've, they've won 10 of their last 12, and the only two losses during that span to both Virginia and Miami. And the Virginia game was a seven-point game. That's a team that could be scary going into the NCAA tournament because they're building yep. momentum at the right time. Well, they shot 62% today, and this winning streak they're on is now seven games, six games coming mm-hmm. into this and now seven. Their defense has been outstanding. Yeah. They have gotten back. They have found something defensively to where they're just putting the hammer down on other teams. And, of course, you know they can shoot with their talent. So Duke advances. And coming up is Virginia minus a key player against North Carolina. We'll talk about that in a moment. And then Clemson, NC State. And we're back after the break. Okay, back we are in Greensboro, also in Columbia, and over in Sardis, Phil, Pat, and Chris together, and Smitty's making his way back from Nashville, so we've given him the rest of the night off as he uh, makes that drive, that wonderful drive through the Smoky Mountains back to uh, South Carolina. Let's update a few other things. We're going to hear from Lamont Paris. We're going to hear from uh, Mike Morgan. Uh, Everett German, play-by-play voice of the College of Charleston, will join us. 735, talk about the Cougars. We're also going to work in some comments from the Clemson coordinators from spring practice. Going to hear from um, Wes Goodwin and also from Garrett Riley and a recruiting update for you as well. Got all that coming your way here tonight on Sports Talk. Out of the uh, Big 12 tournament, Kansas coach Bill Self is out for the entire tournament. University issued a statement that he went through a procedure a standard procedure that went well, expected to make a full recovery in the hospital. They dismissed rumors that he suffered a heart attack. Okay, so apparently that was not the case, and that's the good news. They're saying he underwent a standard procedure that went well, is expected to make a full recovery. Okay, so some other uh, basketball to tell you about real quick. As we check the uh, scoreboard from around the country, we've got uh, Oregon leading Washington State. Out in the uh, Pac-12, 38-30, halftime there. Also, you've got, um, uh, let's see, who's coming up or who's, uh, who's already played here. Um, checking here for some other finals. Here we go. UCLA beat Colorado 80-69. UCLA over Colorado 80-69. Uh, Kansas, without Bill Self, did beat West Virginia in the Big 12, 78-61. Marquette beat St. John's in the Big East, 72-70. Uh, it was UConn defeating Providence 73-66 today in the uh, Big East tournament. Had a really big lead in that one, and Providence came back. UConn won it by seven. VCU beat Davidson 71-53. They look good for the tournament as far as going into the tournament, VCU, and and being a factor. East Carolina over South Florida 73-58. We've got Ohio State over Iowa 73-69. In the Big Ten, 
Uh, UCF defeated SMU 76-70. All right, some of the other scores from across the country. Now, last night, South Carolina saw its season end with a loss to Ole Miss in the um, first round of the SEC tournament in Nashville. Here is some of what USC coach Lamont Paris had to say about the season-ending defeat for his Gamecocks. What have you seen in terms of a growth from these guys this year, in terms of building a foundation for this program going forward and how these guys really just grew and uh, bought into the program? I think it would be easier to list the ways that there was no growth than the ways that there was growth probably. So um, that's every individual on our team, a multitude of individuals I would say. I'd say every I'd say every, even some guys that you have never seen playing games, just what, how they grew at practice, not even as a player, as just from a maturity standpoint. Or, I mean, there was, it was, it's hard to describe how much growth that there was this year. I, you know, I keep saying that word, but I've never been around so much growth in my life in one season. Um, and so I'm happy about that and thankful for that. And so there's a, but there's a lot of foundation that's been laid. Um, you know, amazingly enough, I'm doing, I'm still doing a renovation on a house that I bought. And there was like a three month period that I would walk in there and I expected it to look like a new house every day I walked in there and it it, it never changed over three months. But except for electrical was done, plumbing was done, HVAC was done, AV was done. You know, and the house looks the same to me. So there's a lot of foundation that was built in that house, even though I, in layman's, I was there and I didn't know. I didn't see. I wasn't in it every day, so I don't know what it was about. Um, and I think that's a fair analogy for what has happened um, this year. So we get we get judged on wins and losses, certainly. Um, but I'm evaluating it differently. I evaluate it on a day-to-day basis on where we were. And our, our practices leading up to this tournament, I'd say the last five, six, seven practices were, were incredible. And not just from energy or what, just when you talk about growth, and me looking as a coach, um, acknowledgement of things, um, listening to something and then putting it right in, uh, making a tweak on it against the team that we're playing for the third time and, and, and only have to say it once. Uh, just, it's really, again, it's, it's, it's hard for me to quantify the growth that took place with this particular team. All right, was there another? Yeah, let's go right to the front row here and then we'll come back on the right side. Coach, in terms of building, how do you approach that with recruiting? Obviously, you guys had some very bright spots this season. Beating Kentucky at Rupp Arena was an impressive feat. How do you approach that in recruiting, and how do you sell this program, a program that's on the rise and a program that's going to continue to compete in the SEC? Yeah, I think part of it is 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 cherry-picking those situations and those moments and, and, um, and, and talking about what that can look like to be in those situations on a regular basis. And, and when you talk about foundation that's laid and, and um, these are some of the high points that can, that can certainly occur when you have a group of guys that are relatively inexperienced. And, um, you know, we, we had uh, our numbers were not what we wanted them to be. And so uh, 
I just I, I think that as you're talking to recruits, that's that's part of it. Vision's always a word that goes that goes out there too. You know, you want kids that want to be a part of something special, um, and and doing it in a different way is is to be a guy like that's why I can't thank Hayden Brown enough. He was the first guy that said yes to come here, and he wanted to be on the ground floor. He did. He wanted to be on the ground floor, um, and. It took longer for us to get to this point. I'd like to play 30 more games right now. That's what I would really like to do, and I'm sure he would too. But uh, when you're talking to recruits, you're talking about vision. You're talking about the energy and the excitement. Our fans were really good, really good. I mean, some of the games that we had uh, uh, at uh, Colonial Life Arena just was we had our student body and just our fans in general. So you see that. You see the excitement, and we talk about that to the recruits as well. But, uh, you know, the vision and being a part of something and getting in there early, uh, an early adopter of what we got going on here. It's going to be fun. And uh, again, Hayden and this and this group in general, that's what I mentioned. This is what Gigi was alluding to, was uh, uh, that out this this group will be the group. It'll be the group that really started that, that really got it going, that showed what practice is going to look like, uh, um, how we carry ourselves. Um, outside of the basketball arena, um, who we are as students, who we are as human beings, how we communicate with the staff that's working at a hotel trying to help us feed ourselves. Uh, uh, and they're at our every beck and call, it seems like, and um, all those things. And so, you know, just trying to be sales or recruits that want to be on the ground floor of that. And, 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 and uh, again, like, like Hayden said, I believe also. I don't think it's a – I think it's a pretty – I think the process, it'll play itself out, but I'm optimistic about with the growth that we've made this year when that will happen. Right. I think there's a question on the far right. Go ahead. Lamont, you talk about building and laying the foundation. What's next as you get into this offseason in terms of what you want to see improve, what you want to add to this program as you get into this offseason? Yeah, I, I think you're, I think every team in America is always uh, on a mission to, 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 to make some, I think roster management is a thing. So that's in the day, in, this day and age, that'll be a, a big part of things. So we'll get back and um, you know, pretty quickly here, we'll start talking about roster management situations. Obviously, Hayden will be gone, but I think Plugging and, and improving your overall talent level, whether that's physic physically, whether that's from a skill standpoint, addressing needs that you have. I think uh, I hate to talk about student athletes as commodities, but that's what it ends up looking sounding like. But um, getting that all put together, that's the next step, and that's what we will be. Uh, uh, we've been involved in some of that already, amazingly enough. To, uh, but that's what we're a lot of our time that's not spent with our current student athletes almost all of our time will be involved in in that and so that's a that's the biggest priority as we move forward um from today we have time for one more question anyone all right last question on the right uh Co- coach now that you've had a, a full season in the sec uh just curious what you take from the experience whether you know, officials venues just style of play Anything that stands out to you that you you learned over the course of the year? Um, well, that our our slogan is it just means more, right? Um, and it does. It just means more. It just means more. I've been around. It just means more. That's a, it's very apropos. 
Um, and uh, but it's a really good league, good coaches, good good facilities, good crowds, good home crowds. Um, I think that's really good for the sport of basketball. Um, a variety of way that of that of styles of play. Um, athleticism is at a as at a high high level in this conference. Um, and so it's good. You want to be challenged. I'm, I'm looking forward to the challenge. Uh, it's it's fun to go through for a year and see just kind of like you said how the officials how this league's called. I I played my high major my high major experience as a as an assistant coach was in the Big Ten and it's you know I hope nobody gets mad at me but I, I felt like we should have been wearing helmets sometimes in that league but um, it's a very physical league. This is a different type of league. Um, the, the athleticism is, is is stands out and so it's fun to be in in this conference with really good coaches. Um, um, really good student bodies everywhere that we go and a lot of support. So, uh, yeah, I guess the best thing I could say is just that it's a very accurate uh, slogan is that it just it does just mean more. Okay, Lamont Paris. Now he's got to go find some more players and we'll see what he can bring to the table next season for uh, South Carolina. Expectations will be low again <clears throat> next year when you're one of the worst teams in the league and then you lose your net. Uh, your two best players, I guess you could say, in Brown and Jackson. Uh, and you have to start over, basically. They'll be picked very low again next year, but maybe he'll have a chance to uh, use that and, uh, and and work a miracle for Gamecock basketball next year and, and at least get them into the middle part of the SEC and then try and grow from there. Okay, let's go to a break, and then uh, we'll come back and hit some phone calls. Phone number 888-898-2525, South Carolina Education Lottery. Lucky number here on Sports Talk. Since 2002, more than $174 million in lottery proceeds has been used to purchase, maintain, and fuel over 2,000 school buses in South Carolina, most of which we end up driving behind. Learn more about the lottery's impact at sceducationlottery.com slash education wins and playing for fun is a win for education. Be right back. South Carolina's largest hunting, fishing, and outdoor expo takes center stage at the Palmetto Sportsman's Classic sponsored by Farm Bureau Insurance. Come on down for a good time with over 350 vendors, dog dogs competition, extreme raptor show, kids catfish pond, and much more family fun. Hope to see you at the Classic March the 24th through the 26th at the South Carolina State Fairgrounds. Parents ask, what's the best way to save for college? I'm State Treasurer Curtis Loftus, and my answer is always open a Future Scholar 529 college savings account. It's easy. You can get started online with any amount. It's flexible to adapt your child's college dreams. And you can deduct 100% of your contributions from the South Carolina state tax return. So what are you waiting for? Go to futurescholar.com and see why it's the smart, easy way to save for college. Futurescholar.com. Hope, life, and the great Palmetto. What do these things have in common? Scholarship dollars. The SC Hope, the life, and the Palmetto Fellow Scholarships are funded by the lottery players of this great state. And after 20 years, you've invested over $7 billion in education. $7 billion. Impressive. The South Carolina Education Lottery. When you play, we all win. 
Hi, I'm Jim Corbett. I've been an attorney for more than 30 years. There's one thing I've learned about injury cases. It's you need the personal touch. You need the lawyer to get to know you and describe your damages. You don't want a case manager talking to an insurance company and then talking to you and then talking to maybe to a lawyer with limited experience at the last minute to try to settle a case. I talk to you. I find out what your case is about. Jim at JimCorbettAttorney.com. Jim at JimCorbettAttorney.com for your injury cases. Okay, here's an interesting uh, tweet from Will Graves of the AP, and this kind of relates to uh, Clemson. don't think he was tweeting this about Clemson. I think he was tweeting it about Pitt. But uh, what he tweeted was that in doing his research, the NCAA tournament, since it expanded to 64 teams and 85, every, every in all caps, every ACC team that won 70% of its league games during the season got in. Okay? Uh, Clemson went uh, 14 and 6, 14 of 20. Pat, what's that percentage? You're the math whiz. I'm sorry, Phil. Did you ask me something? <laughs> <laughs> you should listen to the yes, show. Yes, answer the question. <laughs> Repeat it, and I promise I will. What is 14 wins out of 20 games? What's that winning percentage? Roughly just a bit over two-thirds, 70, 71%, give or take. Okay. So Clemson would qualify under that particular statistic would they not they would and remember we did research on this the other night and i found only one team going back to win the conference to win the ncaa tournament expanded in 1985 only one top three acc team has ever missed the ncaa tournament and that was virginia in night i believe it was 1999-2000 okay well they should probably go into tonight's game thinking they need to win yes. just for whatever little extra motivation they, they might need. But then again, you've got to be careful that they're not too tight, too. You know, can't come out there all wound up in emotion and making mistakes and silly fouls and turnovers and things like that. Okay. I think it hurts them a little bit, too, Phil, that they've had mm-hmm. to sit around all week long and hear this noise outside the program and not get it to play their first game until the last possible time you could play your first game. I think Clemson may have been better served having played at noon today and go ahead and get out there and get started, especially since NC State already has a game underneath their belt. I, I'm, it may hurt Clemson a little bit, especially early, because they have not played in a week and they've been sitting around, <clears throat> excuse me, sitting around all week long listening, you guys have to win. You have to win. You're not in. you got to win. Uh, mm-hmm. th- that could come back to haunt them having to play so late tonight. Yeah, sure. Absolutely. Listen, I mean, when is – if you're not going to play the, uh, the the second game or the first game of the evening session, I mean, either it's too early or it's too late when you play on the fringes. You know, the, mm-hmm. the primo games or that, that second game. Of course, I will have to say, and I'm flashing back to my history here from – covering the ACC tournament, but not having been here for several years, but pretty disappointing crowd today for the uh, afternoon session. Afternoon session, this is the quarterfinals now of the ACC tournament in Greensboro, and for the first time since 2004, all four Tobacco Road teams are in the quarterfinals and not That's playing amazing. each other. They're playing other <laughs> teams. So you got a Tobacco Road team spread out in every game, 
And I thought my history here, going back again several years, place was packed at noon on quarterfinal uh, Friday or Thursday, as the case is, is now. But it was maybe half full for Wake, maybe a little bit more, maybe two-thirds full when Duke was playing. Um, I imagine tonight with the Tar Heels and the Wolfpack here, It'll be it's going to be loaded. Yeah. yeah, yeah, I would think for that. But I was a little disappointed, to be honest with you. I thought it would be packed all day long. That just wasn't the case. Mark Fox unintended consequence. Uh, unintended consequence, excuse me, Phil, of expansion in the ACC. Because normally, as you pointed out, when it was Friday, Saturday, Sunday, it was must-see TV, and you had to have a ticket. And that's why it was packed. Now, tournament starts on, what, Tuesday? Runs all the way to Saturday. So it's, it's tough sometimes for folks to get out of work and go over and watch basketball when you have to commit several weekdays to go along with your weekend. And Chris, yeah, but, uh, sorry, one last thing, too. Sorry to jump in there, Phil. Sorry. Chris made this point earlier in the week, and the, the longer this week has gone, the more I feel important it's becoming is by getting those first two-round buys for Clemson, they haven't been able to go out and prove themselves as a bubble team to get those much-needed wins, whereas so many other bubble teams out there, just looking, Penn State, Rutgers were able to go out and play in the Big Ten. Rutgers had a win over Michigan today. Penn State's currently beating Illinois. Uh, Wisconsin, they went out, They I believe they lost, but they went out and had an opportunity to try to go out and get a win. Uh, Oklahoma State and West Virginia both had first-round wins in the Big 12, and that propelled West Virginia off of the bubble, now in there, according to Lunardi, with 100% chance of making the tournament as a projected nine seed just by winning around one game in their conference tournament before getting their butts kicked today by, by Kansas. And Oklahoma State, same thing. They got to go out and get one more win under the belt, mm-hmm. something that Clemson has not yet been able to do. And now when they do get to play, they're playing a much tougher opponent. Uh, Lenardi's latest bracketology posted at 4.20 this afternoon. So his last four buys were Providence, loser today, Boise State, Pittsburgh, loser today, Mississippi State, barely a winner today. And then his last four in, Penn State, Oklahoma State, Rutgers, Utah State. First four out. Um, Why does he have Arizona State in here twice? Does he realize he made a boo-boo? He's got Arizona (laughs) State on his bubble twice. He really does. I'm looking at it. He also uh, this, doesn't have the college in the field yet, does he? Is it, <laughs> yeah, no, I think he does now. He, oh, he finally he, puts him in? Okay. Yeah, yeah. Well, he's got to. Uh, but he's, got North Car- he's got North Carolina and Wisconsin still. Or f- first four out, and then his mm-hmm. next four out are Michigan, Clemson, Oregon, and Vanderbilt. He's got uh, Furman. Furman as a 14 seed playing Gonzaga in Albany. And he has got Charleston, let's see, where is Charleston? A 12 seed against Duke. Yeah, 12 seed against Duke in Orlando. How about them apples? That could be fun. Yeah. All right, to the phones. I know we've been promising and haven't gotten to people. Tiger Bryan, Tiger Bryan in Lancaster. Welcome in. How are you? I'm doing great, man. I enjoy y'all's show so much, man, because y'all get more information about everything, not just Football, basketball, softball, baseball. Y'all do a great job, as always. Well, thank you, Tiger Bryan. You know what, Tiger Bryan? I think I want to hire you to be a salesman for us. We need you to go out and... I used to sell heat and air units. That's why I got. That's why I got retired when I was fifty-four years old. Well, see, you're, you're really good. You're a great salesman. Oh, man. Well, I, I, I didn't. I, if they didn't need it, you go to some people's house. They didn't need a unit, but they was damn determined me to change them units out. So I did them what they wanted. Now, which which brand did you sell? I sold everything from 
Uh, mine's got I, I, the last one I put in my house was Coleman. Coleman's a good one. Mm-hmm. York bought Coleman out. York. I've done Temp Star trains. Uh, heck yeah, I've done about ten or fifteen years in forty years of service. You know what I mean? I got you. But, I got you. But, well, I'm going to consider you know, that. I, should I, uh, I should Smitty ever retire? Uh, I'll give you a call. Okay. Yeah. All right. Well. I, I, you can't afford me coming. I'm okay. sorry. Okay. You can't afford me. It's $100 out of me to leave the house. You know I me? got you. I got you. <laughs> hey, hey. When I retired, I retired. Going, I hear you. I, I hear you. I got a prediction today. Uh, I've been looking and just watching. Yeah, Have you been in any uh, practices, uh, spring practice at Clemson yet? Well, I was up there uh, Monday. Saw the first one, a little bit, a little bit of the first one. Oh, well, first yeah. one ain't that big. But you know what I predict? What you predict? Right. What wins? What wins championship defense? I think our defense. Uh, I know we're gonna have a better offense. Got to have a better offense with the new coordinator. Mm-hmm. But, you know, I think the defense is what's gonna win those championships this year. That's my prediction. Now, well, I, I think I think they got to shore up the the passing defense a little bit. Now you got to replace some outstanding uh, defensive ends. You got to replace your linebackers. I mean, you take a hit there at linebacker. Uh, you got to improve some. Like I said in the secondary, they're counting on Makuba to be a better player and um, you know more disciplined, more mature with his play back there. So I think there's some real question marks, and I think Wes Goodwin's got to sort of prove himself uh, again because of some of the breakdowns on the defense. Amen. I'm going to tell you something else before Hmm. before I leave. I was getting my taxes done today at my CPA. Guy said, Tim Sadney, he's a guy from Fort Bone who's in Lancaster. He said, I recognize your voice from somewhere. He listens to sports talk. He my wife, Miss Tiger Bryant, that's Tiger Bryant. You're world famous. You're world famous. We got to run. Be right back. Welcome back to Sports Talk on the Sports Talk Media Network. You can reach the guys with the South Carolina Education Lottery lucky number, 888-898-2525. That's 888-898-2525. Now back to Phil, Chris, and Pat with the second hour of Sports Talk on the Sports Talk Media Network. Welcome back, everybody. Sports Talk here on the Sports Talk Media Network from Greensboro. Phil Kornblut here for the ACC Tournament. We've wrapped up our stay in Nashville with Matt Smith, with the Gamecocks, of course, being one and done. We call that the single underwear change trip. I've had many of those here at the ACC Tournament. (laughs) Over the years. Well, that's all you needed. One change. One change trip is what we call that. And, uh, you would not yeah. want to travel with me then and see how I pack. So, I'm, 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 you know, I'm bully on underwear and socks. Is that right? You really load yes. up? <laughs> I mean, just a how, moment, do you, how do you handle just one, one pair of boxer shorts for at least two days? Well, one change. I mean, you come in a pair, okay, mm-hmm. and you go to the game, mm-hmm. and then you're heading back home the next day and you make the change it's a one change trip you follow me i, I do i get yeah. that yeah 
So that's just typical. That's typical. So if you're going straight to the game, yeah, I get that. Right, Welcome, right, welcome right. back to Sports Talk, where we specialize in <laughs> underwear and how many pairs a man goes through in a trip. <laughs> Speaking of, in just a moment, we'll find the packing secrets of one Mike Morgan, who probably travels more than all three of us together, times five. Mike is brought to you by Brent Skinner Clothiers. Of course, Brent has not only become the leader in Columbia for the very best in men's clothing, Clients nationally have come to know Brent, and he has you covered if you want to look your very best. Brent and his staff provide you with professional and individual attention to create a wardrobe that distinctly identifies you. From custom suits and shirts to the very best in shoes and accessories, all under one roof. If you can't make it to the Columbia store in the Vista, Brent will come see you. So set up an appointment today, BP Skinner Clothiers. Dot com BP Skinner Clothiers dot com. So, Mike, what does a typical uh, packed bag of yours look like when you go on one of your trips? Always carry on if you can. Uh, I typically, although the, the the jackets, the suit jackets are, are good enough quality from from Brent that they're not going to wrinkle. I still prefer not to just stuff them in a suitcase. <laughs> so I I typically wear the jacket over, say, maybe even a T-shirt, depending on the temperature. Mm-hmm. Uh, make sure you, you divvy up enough space for your bathroom bag. That's important. Uh, and then if there's a front pocket, I find that's where I can put, you know, uh, boxer shorts, socks. You don't want to waste the prime real estate on something that you know you can stuff in that front pocket and not worry about it getting wrinkled. So that those are some tips. Very nice. And how many changes? How many changes on a typical weekend? Well, if it's you know a weekend of say a, a football or a basketball game, you know you you've got your your day that you travel in, mm-hmm. and you know typically that's an ordeal with dealing with ornery gate agents at the Atlanta <laughs> airport that are just typically miserable human beings that are unhappy with life. So when you go through that ordeal, that's going to burn one pair of boxer shorts. You can't wear those the next day. Then you got to have one for game day. Got to have a fresh pair for game day. And then you want to have a fresh pair for, for takeoff or get back home day. So I would say three. Three. Nice. Nice to know. Nice to know. Okay, so what do you make of the tournament action so far? What's caught your attention? Well, I, I guess you're talking about Nashville specifically since that's where you are. Uh, well, I'm in Greensboro, you know, but you can talk about Nashville. Oh, okay. I thought you were in Nashville. My bad. That's okay. Uh, well, we could talk. We could talk about either one. I, yeah. You know, I don't think I, I don't think we've had uh, too many shockers here yet, and that's that's. Uh, not surprising. I mean, we go through this every year, and I, I heard it again, and I'm not going to mention who said it, but the, the cliche of anybody can win it, uh, you know, it's a whole new season, and that's a crock. I mean, mm-hmm. typically, if you are like the 14 seed, you're a 14 seed for a reason. It's because you're not nearly as good as the teams at the top. So you might be able to spring an upset, maybe two at the most, and then you're going to likely – go down. I mean, it, it, that's that's typically the case. So, I mean, I remember maybe the best kind of run uh, of a team that did not have a great regular season was the Gamecock team that did go to Nashville 
and made it all the way to the championship game and lost lost by two points to the eventual national champion Florida Gators. Uh, and that was a team nobody thought was going to get that far and nearly won the whole thing. And winning that final game, those two points would have been the difference between going to the big dance or going on to the NIT, which, as we know, they won the NIT. But that's the exception of the rule. Typically, like for example, in the SEC, there's not 14 teams that, that have a chance of winning it. Obviously, a couple have already been eliminated. But there's, in my mind, there's really only three or four. You know, there's, there's Alabama, there's Texas A&M, um, maybe Tennessee, Kentucky. You know, if you wanted to throw a wild card in there, you, you, you can. But then, you're, then you start running out of teams that, obviously, that can honestly go the distance. And the same thing in the ACC. I mean, once you get past Miami, Virginia, Duke, um, you know, maybe Clemson, if you want to throw them in there, they did, obviously they've proven they can win in that league. They did it for much of the year. But they've been very inconsistent here of late. And so that would give me pause to say that they can win the whole thing. But uh, they certainly have a chance to make a run. I don't think the ACC top to bottom is very good this year. I, I haven't for a while. And so that that leads to some teams that maybe don't ordinarily get very far in this event that certainly could. Yeah. Watching uh, Duke play today, boy, they looked they looked awfully good. We'll see how North Carolina plays tonight. They're underway in their game here, and they're up on Virginia 5-2. to two. And in Nashville, Arkansas has jumped on Auburn 10-2. to So we talk about the SEC, and you're dealing with a situation there, too, where even though Tennessee won today as the five seed in the tournament, uh, they're down a top player in their point guard. Mm-hmm. I wonder when the committee looks at Tennessee, how much that impacts their seeding. Do you think when they see a key player down like that, they, may, they might drop you a spot or two in the seedings? It's happened in the past, absolutely. You're talking about Zeke with their point guard. I mean, mm-hmm. he's, he's a very, very key piece to what they do. Um, that's not to say they don't have other weapons, but you know they've already struggled offensively many times this year. You take his quickness and ability to run the point away, and um, I, I, I don't think there's any question that the human beings that, that are in that room that make that decision could very well uh, kind of use that against them a little bit in seeding. They're going to make the tournament regardless, uh, but they might not get the seed. That's a team that a few weeks ago we were talking about as a number one seed. Mm-hmm. They're certainly not going to get that now. Mike Morgan, Morgan on the move with us here tonight on Sports Talk. And, uh, Mike, you've seen South Carolina play on several different occasions this year. As the season went along, Lamont Paris said last night after the game he can't remember a team that had grown more from the beginning of the season to the end. Did you see that kind of progress from his first installment with USC? Yeah, I, I mean, I, they clearly played better, you know, February on. Uh, it was, it was uh, clearly a case of where – Guys started grasping the concepts of, of what he wants to do offensively and defensively. Some guys matured. Some, some players got more consistent. There was a little bit more of a rhythm. They were still outmanned almost every game, but they started beating teams uh, that were perhaps a little bit better, and they started playing with just about everybody. So I, I was encouraged with the way the team played down the stretch, and I, I think of the future. We know Gigi's not going to be back, but I still say they're going to be a better team not, no knock on Gigi, but you're going to have Michi, you're going to have Jacoby Wright, and you're going to have Josh Gray. Uh, 
and then you're going to have a whole lot of players out of the portal that are going to be more prepared to play at this level than what you had this year. So uh, I, I think if you're a Gamecock fan, you're encouraged with how the season ended. More, moreover, you're encouraged about what next year's team is going to look like because I really think there's going to be some quality additions in the portal. Staying in state, what is your takeaway as to what Clemson needs to do? Do you feel like they're comfortably in the tournament? Are they sitting on the bubble? Do they have to win tonight, or do they have to actually maybe make it to the finals, in your opinion, to make sure they get in? Well, let's see. Uh, you know, I I get the Joe Lenardi email literally <laughs> like, like on the hour, every yeah. hour. Last Joe, one came Joe in at 420. <laughs> uh, do you get this too? Um I, I'm looking at it right now. Let's see. What do we got here? Wait a minute. Is it free? Is it free? Is, it, is that thing free? It's free for me. Well, I mean, um, I'm going to sign up. for. Where do I sign up? JoeLenardi.com? Well, you don't sign up for it. It's a, it's a work email. Is it, uh, we I, am to, a, we I am an ESPN announcer.com. Do I sign up? Where do I sign up? <laughs> I'll tell you what. Forward it to you. But the, the last email I have, <laughs> Joe has Clemson. Uh, I'm reading this right now. On the next four, he's the number one team on the next four out, which will be number 75, or excuse me, 73, mm-hmm. right in front of Michigan, Oregon, and Vanderbilt, right behind Wisconsin, North Carolina. I'm starting to sound like Phil Cornwood on a recruiting report. <laughs> Wisconsin, North Carolina, Nevada, and Arizona State. <laughs> so that tells you they've got to win tonight, huh? So that to answer your question, honestly, I mean, we can joke about Lenardi, and 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 Joe's got a really good sense of humor about it. I mean, he's he he knows that it's a niche within a niche within a niche, and but the bottom line is he's right like ninety eight percent of the time. Mm-hmm. If you believe that, and I have no reason not to, they got to win tonight. Yeah. I, I mean, if if not, I I think they're looking at an NIT bid. Well, I think, I think uh, that's the last thing they want to hear too. Uh, but I think what you've said, the the perceived or actual uh, downturn of the ACC. When we look at these history marks that we've been talking about on this show, um, no no team. What was it that Pat said? No team that's finished in the top four regular season in the ACC has been left out of the tournament. Something Just like once that since it expanded. Top Just three, one only one yep. time. Yeah, UVA in nineteen ninety nine, going back yeah. to when the, it was expanded in nineteen eighty five. And then we had the tweet earlier that no ACC team with a, a league regular season winning percentage of over, what was it, over 60 percent has been left out, and Clemson's over that. But maybe it's the perceived or actual weakness of the league this year that's going to bite a team and, that finished number three. And two quad four losses. Mm-hmm. Yep. And okay. do, do, you remember, do you remember a few years ago when Frank Martin, it seemed like Frank had a bubble team almost every year, Frank had a bubble team, and the conference record was good. And people were saying, this is an outrage. Why are we not? There was a loss to Stetson, and Stetson was one of the worst teams in college basketball. It was a loss at home, which was quad four. And that loss just never – it seemed like it just stayed with you like a bad case of indigestion, right? Like you couldn't get rid of it. <laughs> you wanted to have it expunged from the record, but you couldn't. And it, it might have cost them getting into the tournament. All right, real quick, want to shift gears to baseball. I know you'll be turning your attention to that here pretty much uh, 
full-time once you get to your baseball schedule. SEC season starts next weekend. ACC season is getting underway as well. And so the Gamecocks, let's just talk very quickly. They took the series from Clemson. They uh, are hitting home runs at a colossal rate. I'm looking at some of their stats nationally. I'll give you a few examples. Number one in the country in home runs per game. Number two in actual home runs hit. Fourth in runs scored. They are a second in being hit by pitch. Uh, sixth in earned run average off the mound. Uh, they are ninth in scoring. They are eighth in sack flies. In other words, Mike, they are doing a lot of. Wait a minute now. Hang on. I know they're not what facing the greatest. What was that sack fly number again? The sac- <laughs> sacrifice? I think the sacrifice fly is an important part of baseball, and they're ninth in the country in hitting well, sacrifice flies. I think that's a very – my point is, okay, okay, what is my point, Mike? <laughs> I don't know what your point is when you start bringing up sacrifice flies. Uh, I'm just – Mike, what? I'm talking about how – sacrifice bunts. Right. Have, have uh, they laid down uh, any bunts lately? Uh, I just want to ask you about your opinion – of them offensively with this pitching staff, do you think that they will have a opportunity to make a run in the SEC with what they have showed so far? I, it's a very fair question. I Thank think you. it's a little too – you're welcome. It's, it, it's a little too 153rd in sacrifice bunts, by the way. Go ahead. There we go. Well, there's still time to improve on that. Um, look, it, it, I – Everybody's hitting home runs right now in college True. baseball. Um, I, I'm not trying to take away from the record, but clearly the, the non-conference schedule is what it is. The, the, the conference victory over Clemson is always huge. I, I don't care where Clemson is and where they finish. Those games mean so much, and that is a postseason-like atmosphere, postseason-like feel, uh, the tension and all that other stuff that you'll have come June. Yeah, so that's always big, but until you start doing it in the SEC, you're not going to you're not going to have everybody excited about where you stand in terms of making a postseason run, which is what you're you're asking. You know, are they the kind of team that can do damage in the SEC, do damage in June, get to a super, and be two wins away from Omaha? Way too early, way too early. You've got a lot of newcomers clearly. You know, last year when you and I had had this conversation, I said point blank, and I knew from people that I trusted, that team was going to struggle in the SEC. That team was going to be overmanned, and then you threw in injuries to the pitching staff, and it it, it is what it was. It, it was what it was. This year, I'm not saying that. This year, I think they've got the the personnel to compete, but as always, you have to look at it. There are six or seven teams in the top ten that happen to, to reside in the SEC, and you got to play them. you got to play most of them. you got to play 30 conference games. So we'll find out where they stand. Let's, let's wait till say, I don't know, mid-April before we really have an idea just how good this team is. Well, that's logical. Uh, but I'm just saying, having seen them a lot, then with the way they're swinging the bat, and, you know, I think a lot of credit, I guess, goes to Monty Lee because he works with the hitters now. What he's come in and some of his hitting philosophies and mm-hmm. the way they are drawing walks, the way they're getting hit by pitches, the way they're hitting with power. Um, right. I think it's a sign of what they can do. Now, I know they're going to face a ton better pitching moving forward. I, I get that. Much better. Yeah. Infinitely yeah. better pitching. 
yeah. infinitely better pitching. So none of those I, – I, I hate to diffuse your momentum there. None of those stats mean anything to me based on who they've played. I, I, tell me after nine conference games, three series in the SEC, tell me where they rank statistically in conference play, and then I think I'll have a better idea of what are we looking at. Fifth in slugging percentage. <laughs> about OPS? Give me, give me some OPS, Phil. That's the stat. That's the new age stat. Everybody wants to know on base plus slugging. What do you have? How about WAR? If I give you the WAR, how will that work for you? I, I think WAR is a silly, silly stat that is completely. I, I, I when you listen to some of the WAR numbers on major league players, yeah, it is so misleading. Don't come to me with war. Come to me with OPS. I'm, I'm a big believer in OPS. Don't yeah, come to yeah. me with war. They don't, they don't have that here, but I have yet to been able to figure Good. out what wins after replacement actually means. Above above replacement. I'm sorry. Wins above replacement. That's even worse. <laughs> what does it mean? It means that if, you, if, if you're talking about a specific player, let's say, I don't know, pick one of your, your Yankees. Who's Aaron your Judge. favorite Yankee, Phil? Aaron Judge. Of course. Okay. Yeah. So Aaron Judge's war is going to be quite high, especially coming off an MVP season. It, 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 in other words, his war would be how many more games do the Yankees win with him starting in the outfield than your average replacement, your yeah. average outfielder in, in his place? And I don't know what the number would be, you know, 12, whatever. Yeah. And that's that, but, you know, how they come up with that, I, I have no idea, and I don't trust it. There's so, there's so many other numbers in the game that I do trust that I don't look at war. I'm all about you know, peace, Mike, Phil. I don't like war. You know, Mike, I know. I get that. Give, give peace a chance. I'm all about the numbers on the scoreboard. <laughs> if you ask me in the final analysis, that's the only number that matters. What's on the scoreboard? Absolutely. It's all about the slugging percentage against uh, Tennessee Tech. <laughs> They haven't played Tennessee that, Tech that yet, you, but you give them time. Give them time. Okay, uh, we're gonna go dude. let you uh, go let you iron your shorts for when you get back yeah, on please. the road, and uh, we'll talk yeah. to you next week. <laughs> I look forward to it, guys. Be well. Light Thanks, starch, Mike. Light starch and a lot of ironing. <laughs> Thank you, Mike. Appreciate it very much. Okay, Mike Morgan, Morgan on the move with us here on Sports Talk. Let's up, update a couple things. Uh, North Carolina leading Virginia 11-7. to And Virginia announced about an hour before tip that uh, one of their key players out for the rest of the season broke his hand in practice yesterday. Let's see if I can. Good grief. Here it is. Uh, his uh, forward, Ben Vanderplas, missed the rest of the season, ah, yeah. fractured his right hand. Uh, he started the last 14 games, seven points and about five rebounds per game. Tony so Bennett needs to back off point. practice at Telling this you. late date in the season. Good grief. Telling you. Arkansas up on Auburn 22-15 midway through the first half. Uh, let's take a look at this North Carolina-Virginia game real quick. Uh, Tar Heels shooting 42%. Yeah, Virginia 30%. Neither team can shoot from three thus far. Not many free throws, not too many turnovers. So, yeah, kind of a sluggish offensive start. And they're about um, a little over uh, 12 minutes in. It's only 13 to 9. Okay, um, i tell you what, uh, Pat, why don't we do the recruiting? We'll slide the break over. I'll go ahead and do the recruiting update here, and then Everett German will join us after the bottom of the hour. Is that agreeable for everybody? 
Everybody Works agree with me. that? Sounds great. Yes, sir. Works for everybody? Okay. We'll give you the recruiting report brought to you by our good friends at Seawells. Hoping tomorrow, Pat, you're there. Hoping tomorrow is going to be a roast beef Friday at Seawells, another RBF. Do we have any confirmation on that? We most certainly do. Tomorrow at Seawells will be a RBF with carved roasted sirloin of beef along with southern fried chicken and grilled hamburger steak and onions, which means lots and lots of gravy. And then don't forget you can get all the local fixings you can handle on the side, salad, and dessert. Excellent. And, of course, for the very best in the catering business, just give Seawells and their folks a call, and they'll be happy to work with you. 803-771-7385 online at SeawellsCateringSC.com. All right, a few recruiting notes for you. USC offensive line coach Lonnie Teasley has been in communication with offensive tackle, offensive guard Caleb Brewer, 66290 out of Reading, Pennsylvania. And the Gamecocks are among his offers, but they've not yet set up a date for a visit with him this spring or later. He said they seem very interested. They want him to visit, but he's not sure that he's going to take a visit at this point. So I don't know how strong his interest is back at them. Uh, He is going to be uh, visiting Notre Dame March 31st and Michigan April 1st. He's been to NC State and Duke. He went to those two places last weekend. Ole Miss, Illinois, West Virginia, Tennessee, Rutgers, Nebraska, Syracuse have also offered. Today, the Gamecocks offered Houston transfer offensive guard Cameron Johnson. He's 6'4", 305. He was first team all-conference this season, spent four seasons with the Cougars, and he's in the transfer portal, John. Dillon offensive tackle Josiah Thompson plans to visit Clemson on Monday for a spring practice. Then he and teammates, 2025 running back cornerback Jamarian Fling and 2026 quarterback Josiah Oxendine will visit USC's practice on Tuesday. Quarterback Air Noland, I love that name, Air Noland of Fairburn, Georgia, be at Clemson tomorrow and Saturday. He might be the guy the Tigers go after now in the 24 class. That's going to be his first visit of the spring. He did go to junior days in January to Texas A&M and Alabama. Other spring visits are Arkansas, Miami, Ohio State, Alabama, Texas A&M, and Purdue. He was offered by Oregon today. 2025 cornerback Tyler Redman, Alpharetta, Georgia, will go to Clemson on Saturday. USC target defensive tackle Camarion Franklin will visit Florida State tomorrow. He's got USC on the 17th. USC target tied in Caleb Odom. Goes to Auburn on March 17th. Clemson target, offensive tackle Fletcher Westfall. Leesburg, Virginia, plans to visit Florida State tomorrow. He'll be at Clemson April 5th. Offensive lineman Gabe Keys, 6'5", 230, of Louisville, plans to be at Clemson March 31st. USC target, safety Cameron McKell, was offered by Michigan and Mississippi State. He's got visits in April, Tennessee, April 3rd, and Georgia Tech, April 8th. And he said he's trying to set up a date with the Gamecocks as well. Defensive end Edric Houston of Buford, Georgia, will visit Clemson Saturday, Tennessee on March 25th. Clemson and USC target defensive end Darian Mayo was offered by Georgia. Okay, we'll hit the break, and we'll be back in just a moment.
Okay, 24-19, Arkansas now leading Auburn out in Nashville. And here in Greensboro, just to update uh, what's happening between uh, North Carolina and uh, North Carolina and Virginia. And it is, uh, let me see here very quickly before we get to Everett German. North Carolina, Virginia. Virginia now on the big run, 14-2 run over the last 4-11. Cavaliers up on the Tar Heels, 23-15. Could be a flood of ACC tournament tickets available on the market here in the next uh, two hours if that (laughs) continues. promise you that. Had a couple of more recruiting notes I wanted to get out there, and then we'll get to Everett. But I left off a couple of things I wanted to mention. Uh, South Carolina offered 2025 linebacker A.J. Rice of Huntsville, Alabama. 2025 linebacker Ethan Pritchard of Sanford, Florida. 2026 quarterback Brody McWhorter of Cartersville, Georgia, plans to visit South Carolina March 16th. We know who came out of Cartersville now, don't we? Defensive tackle Marcus Downs of Riverside was offered by Tennessee, visited there over the weekend. Basketball, Wofford transfer, 6'6", Messiah Jones. He told Stock Risers he's heard from Clemson, Arkansas, St. Bonnie's, Radford, South Alabama, Marist, and others. Played four seasons with the Terriers. This one was his best, 10 points, 5 rebounds per game. And Clemson is having some interest in Bucknell grad transfer guard Xander Rice per 24-7 sports. Okay, that wraps up the recruiting report. So we know Furman is in the tournament. We talked to Bob Ritchie last night. And we know College of Charleston is in the tournament. Let's talk more about the Cougars as we welcome in one of our good buddies. He is one of the best people in the world. I can't think of anything bad about him except that he is a Lakers fan. Other than that, I love him dearly. (laughs) Everett German, the voice of the Cougars, joining us here on Sports Talk. E, how you doing, buddy? Hey, I'm doing good, Phil. How are you doing? We are doing uh, terrific. How you feeling, man? You look, you feeling good? Feeling good. Obviously, a good time to uh, be a part of Charleston basketball. My uh, Lakers are winning without LeBron James, so really, all is well in my basketball world. <laughs> <laughs> uh, nothing may. Well, of course, a Celtics win makes me the happiest, but the next happiest is when I'm the when the Lakers lose. I just have a just a tingling feeling knowing that you and K-Mac in particular are having a bad night when I hear that. Well, I just want to remind you that actually the Lakers should have one more win and the Celtics should have one more loss because Tatum <laughs> filed LeBron, but that's another discussion for another day. That's true. That's true. I, I, listen, I, I give you that. That was a terrible no call. Should have been made, and he'd have probably missed the free throws anyway, but I'll uh, – no, I'll give you your due. Your due on that. What about the Cougars, man? Thirty-one wins, most wins in the nation. You win the CAA. Has this team surprised you, or is this what you thought they would do? Honestly, you know, at the beginning of the season, you knew that Charleston would be good, but I'd be lying if I said I thought they would be, you know, this good. I knew what we had coming back because <clears throat> we had our, our sophomores now this season that played so many minutes. Last year with Rain Smith and, uh, you know, Ben Burnham, Babacar Fai. But the guys, the influx of coming in uh, transfers, you just didn't know what to expect. You know, you read your bios and you see, oh, we got this kid from Wofford, you know, averaging four or five points a game. You know, played a lot of games, but, eh, okay, you know, okay. And then we got a guy from NAIA, got a guy from D2. So on paper, 
you know, it didn't wow you, but I should have known because of how great our coaching staff is, you know, obviously with Coach Kelsey at the top, uh, Brian Coleman, also, uh, you know, Coach Cassidy, Michael Cassidy, and then, of course, the new addition of Thomas Carr. These guys just get it. They know it. Coach Kelsey's very open about, like, he's not for everybody and everybody's not for this program. But, it, you know, you have to have those those ABCs, you know, academics, basketball, character. And so it's just not about the numbers. It's just about that individual. And so the, the addition of Ante Berzovich and Ryan Larson and, you know, Jalen Scott and Pat Robinson III, it was just a beautiful mix with what we had coming back. Um, you know, you also had Raekwon Horton to the mix, the kid there out of Santee that, uh, you know, played there in Columbia for a while before transferring to, I want to say a prep school. But, uh, yeah, no, it, it's, it's just been a special ride. Just a roller coaster ride. You know, you win, you win your first one against Chat, you lose to the Tar Heels, you win 20 in a row, you lose two in a row, and then you win your last 10, uh, including obviously the championship game where you, you go on a run to put you up by seven. They go on a run to put themselves up by eight. And then, of course, we all know how the story ended. Yeah. What do you see as the strengths of this team? As I look at some of the numbers, good shooting team. You won by about 13 points per game. Good rebounding team. Holding team to a 67 points per game. Is there a particular strength that catches your eye when you watch this team game in and game out? It's that. It's just a team. Um, as you look at the numbers, you'll see ten or six guys averaging nine or more points a game. You know, these guys genuinely care about each other off the floor as well as on the floor. And, you know, it's hard to really scout Charleston because one night it could be Bowen. The next night it could be Larson. It could be, you know, Ben Burnham. Um, at one point, Phil, we had – we played pretty much a 10-man rotation. Eight of the 10 guys in the rotation – have led Charleston in scoring at least one game this season. Hmm. Um, that just goes to show you just the balance of what we have. And we come in waves. You know, it, it's so funny to kind of see teams that, you know, might be neck to neck, even ahead at the half. But in the second half, you just see, you know, grabbing shorts, uh, bending over. And Charleston is just so fresh because, again, you have that 10-man rotation. Nobody averages more than, you know, 25, 26 minutes a game. And so when you have that, Ability and really, Charleston has two starting fives. Like when that bench unit comes on, um, at one point, Charleston's bench was top 10 in the country uh, in terms of production. You, you just can't, you know, that's just hard to, to beat. And then you talk about rebounding. I mean, Charleston's one of the top offensive rebounding teams in the country. Uh, Coach Kelsey had some of those teams at Winthrop as well. He brought that mentality to Charleston. And yeah, Charleston, we go hard at the glass. Um, offense, defense, and so really that's kind of Charleston in a nutshell. There's not really one thing you can kind of pinpoint because, honestly, Charleston does just a little bit of everything uh, really well. Sure. The voice of the College of Charleston Cougars, Everett German, with us here tonight. The Cougars will find out their NCAA destination on Sunday after winning the Colonial a couple of days ago. And, Everett, you talked about bench production, and you guys are still inside the top ten. As a matter of fact, fourth nationally in terms of your bench, getting uh, 33 points a game off that bench. In an era where we see players transfer for a wide variety of reasons, in particular playing time or lack thereof, how has Pat Kelsey, in the short period of time he's been there, be able to build and sort of mold a culture where it doesn't matter if you start or if you come off the bench where he's getting that kind of production from guys who could be starting elsewhere? I think it's really important because 
that minute factor. You may not start, but you know you're going to play. And it's mm-hmm. the same rotation. It's kind of like, and I know you guys, you know, follow the NBA where, you know, you think in an NBA game that starting five, they play up until maybe the two-minute mark of the first quarter. The, the bench comes in, they play until the six-minute mark of the second quarter, and then the starters come back in. It's very similar to Coach Kelsey. Like, it's very it's not often that you hear a whistle and not someone's coming into the game. So it's kind of that mentality that, you know, you go in, you go hard for three or four minutes, you come out, you get a blow, then you go right back in. And so the fact that those kids stay engaged because they know that they're going to get their chance. They know they're going to have plays called for them. Yeah, you're not starting, but there's been a lot of times this season that the five that started, you know, didn't end the game. And so I think it's just that buy-in. You look at a kid like Jalen Scott. I mean, the the guy was all defensive player in the CAA. I still say defensive player of the year. He averages four points a game, and I call him baby Kawhi because he Mm -hmm. reminds me of Kawhi Leonard. Mm -hmm. He can guard all five positions, big, strong, physical. How he was in the NAIA, I have no idea. But the kid, but he like it's almost like he doesn't want to shoot. He wants to rebound, guard the other team's best player. And when you have that type of attitude, it kind of filters through the whole team. And that's why I think these guys are content with maybe not starting, but coming off the bench, kind of like Pat Robinson III, who was named the CAA uh, Sixth Man of the Year. Talked about both Rain Smith and also Ante Berzovich, and I'm curious from an international flair what they've brought to the table, not just on the floor, because I think we can see how good those two players are for your team, but what do they add in terms of dimensions off the court and how they intermingle with the, with the team itself? Well, don't forget, you got those two. You also got Babakar Fai, who's from Senegal. You have Evan Kilminster, who's also from Australia. And look, I, like I mentioned earlier, those guys off the floor, it's such a, a close-knit bunch. Those guys, you know, it's very rare if you see one without seeing, you know, somebody else in, in terms of their teammates. And so I think the fact that they kind of just feed off of each other, learning about each other's cultures, and then you have, you know, probably arguably the craziest American on the roster in Dalton Bowen. I'm sure you guys watched the game uh, Tuesday night where he literally, and I saw it, obviously I was there, and I, I thought I saw it, but I wasn't sure, and I was actually sitting behind uh, Dave Ryan and, and Coach Gillum, where he, he got cut on the eye, and he literally, like, wiped the blood and, and licked it. And, and, and I just said he, he literally just licked his own blood. Like, it was nothing. Like, didn't even pause. That guy, you talk about a spirit animal. That kid, uh, first team, all CAA. Just one of the craziest of best guys. He's the type of guy that every team needs that really just brings everybody together. So he's the type of guy that, hey, you know, Rain, tell us about Australia and what that's like. And Baba, tell us about Senegal. And obviously, you know, Ante, who I've kind of coined him, Baby Joker. Because all my, you know, all my nicknames are somewhat NBA related. So he's Baby Joker, obviously, because of Croatian. And he can shoot it and pass it and do everything else. But, yeah, those guys, they're eager to learn about each other. And, uh, again, I think that just helps them on the floor be like one unit. And that's why they've had so much success this year. A couple more moments with Everett German, voice of the College of Charleston Cougars. And, of course, we can remember the great days under John Cress and how that team caught the imagination of the state and the college basketball world when they went from NIA and to the uh, NAIA and then to – to NCAA and they made the tournament and all that kind of stuff. 
what about around the city? Um, do you, what do you sense from the fan base and from the city about the excitement and the support for what Pat, Pat Kelsey's doing now in just his two short years there? I'm going to use, I think, a word that if I had $5 for every time Coach Kelsey said this word, I would have as much money as he just signed in his contract extension. Mm. The energy in Charleston is elite. Like, it is it's just crazy. Yeah. Of course, he coined that phrase kind of, you know, our city, which is just absolutely taken off. Uh, really, the whole month of February and the latter part of January, TD Arena, 5,100. Uh, tickets sold out every game. Some games, people scalping tickets, you know, for as much as $200 for a seat. Um, there are probably, I'd say, 1,500 fans uh, in D.C. on Tuesday night, Charleston fans. A lot of people mentioned they, hey, got up Tuesday morning, bought a round-trip ticket, spent about 400 bucks because they wanted to be there. And coaches really uh, united the low country. And it's not necessarily when he says our city – not a, a jab at the Citadel or Charleston Southern, but he wants the Charleston basketball team to be Charleston's team where people can come, support, be a part. Uh, he coined TD Arena the six because, well, TD gets six points for that, and he wanted the fans to be that sixth man, mm-hmm. and they have turned out um, just tremendously. The watch parties are just crazy. We see all the footage when we're on the road. Watch parties, uh, people just coming out in droves. They want to be a part of Charleston, uh, you know, basketball. So depending on where the Cougars land, it wouldn't surprise me if you see a lot of uh, our city um, at the game supporting this team because Coach Kelsey has really done a great job of just being anywhere, everywhere, the kids, uh, in the community, uh, just being just a vital part of Charleston in the low country. Well, you know, I've seen the Lenardi projections got you in Orlando as a 12 seed. So as a 12 seed, you would think Charleston could be a very dangerous 12 seed, don't you? I would say yes. And I'm sure if they're – because, you know, Charleston leads the country in three-pointers attempted. Um, they're top ten in terms of three-pointers made, averaging ten made threes a game. You have a big guy in Ante Berzovich who can hurt you outside, inside. You can't double-team him because he can pass it. Then you have a lockdown defender like Jalen Scott. So this team really has – and then you have a leader like Ryan Larson who's played in NCAA tournaments at Wofford. He is the ultimate floor general. Um, you know, I, I coined him the mayor. So he's the mayor of Charleston because he just gets it done. And uh, as a matter of fact, he owes me some money. Now I think about that because I started calling him the mayor, and now he's selling T-shirts hmm. with the mayor on it. So I need to send him an invoice for that. I NIL, like baby. NIL. You started an NIL collective. That's what you are. You're a collective. <laughs> exactly. But no, but those guys, Charleston has everything that they need, and they're experienced. I mean, Dalton Bowling's 25 years old. Uh, this is his seventh year of college because of, you know, red shirts and COVID year, and Jalen Scott, he's a grad transfer. Then you talk about that sophomore class with Raekwon Horton and you know Ben Burnham. Those guys, they played a lot of basketball last year, so they're not going to be intimidated. I mean, heck, they were at the Dean Dome up with eight minutes to go and just kind of you know lost it there at the end. So mm. I think Charleston and Orlando, I think you'd see a lot of our city shirts 
at Disney World and at SeaWorld. Mm. Uh, and you'd probably see a good two, 3,000 fans, I would think, down there and uh, ready to battle whoever uh, is placed on the other side uh, of Charleston. We shall see Sunday how all that plays out. My friend, we thank you very much. Wherever you go, enjoy it. We'll be in touch again, and we thank you for the time. Hey, that sounds good, guys. Thanks again, and you guys have a good night. You too. Thanks, Everett. Thank you. Thank you very much. Everett German, known as the uh, E-Dog. Appreciate him for joining us tonight. I, I hope he has a nickname since he's labeled everybody else on the team. That was great E-dog. stuff. I think it's E-Dog <laughs> is what we used to call him back in the day. Okay, And I can, I can echo in mm-hmm. terms of their home court advantage, TD Arena is oh, yeah. not an easy place to go in as an opposing team. They, <clears throat> no. That place is hard to win. If you're, and, and on top of that, they've got a good basketball team you've got to face, too. Plus, you're five steps off of King Street in downtown Charleston. And you <laughs> exactly. know what kind of trouble you can get into there. Um, okay, real quick, I've got to go to break, but they're at halftime. It's 25-24, Virginia leading North Carolina, 6-0 run for the Tar Heels. Cavaliers missed their last five shots, one for the last seven. And so the lead they have has evaporated. Virginia is leading 25-24 of the Tar Heels at the break. And Arkansas leads Auburn 37-33, 49 seconds to go in that one. I guess Auburn is one of those hanging on for dear life uh, for the uh, NCAA tournament as well. Okay, let's go to our final break, and uh, we'll come back and recap things. We'll have to get to those Clemson coordinators tomorrow, I guess. They're not going anywhere. I mean, we're not actually at the point of spring practice where it's, uh, it's crucial. So they can hold till tomorrow. We'll wrap some things up from here in Greensboro and Columbia and Sardis and get you ready for um, the Clemson-NC State game as well. We'll talk more about that after the break. George Bryant here with Tsunami Bar Sports. And wow, Tsunami Robbie, there is now an amazing technology that you can use when you train receiving large game without having to endure pain. Please explain. George, that is the magic combination. I have three simple words to define that entire concept. Stimulation, not annihilation. Regardless of your training goals, there is a level of stimulation that is optimal for your desired gains. Tsunami Bar's flexible bar technology meets these demands because the user determines the level of stimulation with the amount of speed and force they impart into the bar or training device. Hey, this is Phil Kornblut. The Tsunami Bar is a terrific training device whether you're working on your fitness or your golf game. It's convenient, it's easy to use, and you won't feel beat up afterwards. Be sure to click on the digital ad on sportstalksc.com and get 5% off any order using promo code B. BB5. Don't wait. Order today. Major Downer here from the South Carolina Department of Natural Resources. Boating season is just around the corner. To make sure that your boat is ready, check your registration sticker and ensure it's current. Find your registration card, make sure your life jackets are in good shape, and check your fire extinguisher as well. For more information on boating or boat tiling questions, visit dnr.sc.gov backslash boating. Founders Federal Credit Union knows your life is busy and your money is important. We are proud to offer local personalized services and convenient online services like Founders Online and the Founders app. 
You'll love being with us as much as we love serving you. Visit RelaxJoinFounders.com or one of our 37 convenient locations to see if you qualify for membership with Founders. Relax. Win with Founders. Terms and conditions apply. Founders Federal Credit Union is federally insured by NCUA. I got to update the uh, TPC, which began today in Jacksonville very quickly. Colin Morikawa. Uh, no, 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 no. Sorry. Uh, Chad Ramey, Mississippi State guy. Uh, eight under par 64. Colin Morikawa, seven under 65. Taylor Pendrith, Ben Griffin, Justin Sue, All at uh, five under par. And... As far as some of the others that we keep a close watch on, we've got Lucas Glover, former Tiger, 369. Uh, that's a Scotty Scheffler. He's at four. Spieth is at three. And John Rahm, 171. That big, that big uh, group they had today of the stars, they didn't, they didn't play that well except for Rahm, one under. Ben Martin matched that at one under. Uh, Cameron Young, one under. Uh, Kisner is even, 72. And uh, Zalatoris, plus 274. Rory was in that group. Rory had a 76 plus 4. Matthew Neesmith, 77 plus 5. Andrew Novak on the course, plus 5. I guess some didn't finish. Doc Redmond, former Tiger, 78. That's a 6 over. We've had people waiting. Um, I'm sorry. Uh, Chris has been talking too much tonight. Has prevented us what from getting the phone calls. Let's go to Danny in Florence. I know what he wants to talk about. Yeah, hello, Danny. Welcome in. Yeah, your Blue Devils are looking pretty good, looking pretty good. Yeah. Phil, are callers or guests number one with you? It just depends on my mood. <laughs> it just well, depends on my you, mood and what we have going on. I mean, we do, we do, do what we have claim, to do. Hmm? Do you still claim Duke's NIT bound? <laughs> did, did I say that at one point? Yeah, yeah, you did. Yeah. And you also said it's hard to beat the same team three times, and they did that this afternoon, too. Well, it is hard to beat the same team three times. Now, y'all didn't have any trouble doing that today, but it is hard to beat the same team three times. I'll just say that Duke right now seems to have found another gear, you know, and is yeah. maybe playing its best ball of the season at the right time, and they're dialed in defensively, and they're making shots, and they look good to me. Yeah. They do look good to me. Yeah. But I hung on for you, Phil. I know you did. And we appreciate it. Uh, go Celtics. Yeah, man. Thank you very much. Hey. That's one thing we can agree on. Thank you. Yeah. Uh, Andy in Columbia. Andy, got about 90 seconds or so. Welcome in. How are you? He lost Andy. Andy's gone. Goodbye, Andy. We'll catch you next time around. Okay. So, um, been quite a busy, busy show. We appreciate everybody who's been with us tonight. And uh, let's talk real quick. Clemson, NC State, guys. Um, Chris, what do you think? Uh, I, I don't know. Um, I'm going to roll with the Tigers here just because I think that um, I think Hunter Tyson uh, will have a good night. I think P.J. Hall will do his thing inside, score, rebound. Um, I think they've got to have a good shooting night from uh, Galloway. If he can knock down some early threes, mm-hmm. I think that puts him in the right mindset, and they usually play pretty good ball. Well, and I mentioned this earlier in the show. I think if there is one kryptonite to a team like NC State that wants to go up and down the floor and score as many points as possible, it's a team like Clemson that can play defense on them. 
and they did in both regular season meetings. Played really, really good defense against NC State. And one of the two, they actually shot the ball extremely well, scoring, what, 90-plus points. So I think Clemson's got the, the keys and the, the design and the DNA to beat NC State. The question is, are, are, is there so much going on around that team? Where's their heads? Mm-hmm. You know, mentally, if they're ready to go, I, I, I like Clemson to win tonight. But if they're worried about where their NCAA hopes are and everything else and having to sit around as long as they have, there are a lot of factors working against them. If Brad Brownell can get them to focus just between the lines, I think they'll be okay tonight. Okay, folks, we'll follow along on our Twitter tonight as we cover Clemson. Post-game coverage on the website. Pat, thank you. Chris, thank you. We'll either see you back here tomorrow night or in Columbia. We'll see. Have a great night.